city. Uh, to all of you here in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying this beautiful Tuesday, October 23rd. You are listening to Podland Trailcasters. I am Keith Thunder Smith, and here with me, as always, the daring, the dashing, the beautiful, and the Kentucky Fried Bold, Brandon Goldner. What's up, Mr. B? Well, Tennessee, Keith, <laughs> it's good to see you, and all of you out there, if you want to reach out, you know you always can. It's going to be at Trailcasters on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Emails also work, trailcasters at gmail.com. But the most important thing, and I usually drop my accent for this part, we're going to need your five-star reviews, whether they're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, now on Spotify. It does not matter. It matters yeah. to those reviews because more reviews means more people, more people, more fun. Keith, how is everything going on this very dark? It's 7.15. The sun is down, but it is Tuesday. It's not Sunday, but how is everything going for you? Oh, it's going well for me. And hey, j- just, just to be clear for all the listeners, we are making fun of my voice there that I'm complaining about a head cold and a scratchy throat <laughs> from uh, cheering on the timbers too much the other day. We are not making fun of any sort of groups out there with a silly accent. Only my own voice because I sound scratchy and silly. We're making fun uh, of any group that includes Keith in it. That's the only thing. Or Brandon. That's the only thing we're making fun of. Anyway, on the show today, we have another group we'll probably be making fun of a lot. Uh, from the Rockets Wire, we've got David McKay. Uh, we'll be talking about Spitgate involving the Rockets and the Lakers, both groups we love to make fun of. We'll also be talking about the first week of Blazer games. Not that we'll be making fun of them as much, but there are certainly some fun elements of it. What has surprised us in there? We'll get David in here in a moment, but first, we have some words we want to add in about our man Paul. Uh, so I'm sure everyone has heard by now, if you are any sort of Blazer fan, unless you are living under a serious rock, that we have suffered a serious loss last Monday. Uh, Paul Allen passed at 65 years old. Uh, he bought the team in 88 at 35 years old. He spent his own money on the Rose Garden, but this is not just an NBA loss here. He uh, obviously is the co-founder of Microsoft. In addition to that, he's donated billions, with a B, to arts and sciences. Uh, he has donated money to helping uh, find people that were lost at sea, stuff that had no benefit for him other than just helping people that, that needed help and people that were in need. He is a, a, a great influence. His, his, uh, his influence is everywhere in the technological world. He helped ESPN launched their first website. Uh, the, the list goes on and on, but uh, bottom line is he will be missed. Um, our guest David will mention that he actually met him uh, at a point, but I, I don't know, Brandon, if you've had any direct encounters with Paul. I, uh, haven't. I certainly have not. No, I haven't, but it's, it is a huge loss for the community, uh, the basketball community for Portland and the Pacific Northwest and Seattle, again, where Microsoft was founded. He was also the owner of the Seahawks and, like you said, was a philanthropist. And, you know, there's so much to, like, when you have that much money, that much power and influence, like it's interesting to think about, well, you know, if I had, you know, billions and billions of dollars, like what would I do with it? And like, you know, for him to give away so much, as you said, I mean, a hundred million dollars to fight Ebola in West Africa, um, so many different initiatives that he took on, uh, really, contributed to the advancement of humankind. And I I mean, you can say that with a straight face and like, you can't say that about very many people. And then specifically about his connection to the Blazers. I mean, like you said, 
it was him that got the Rose Garden built. It was because of him that the team wasn't moved somewhere else, probably. Like, if, if I mean, look at what happened in Seattle. The reason why, well, there are a lot of reasons why they were moved to Oklahoma City, but one of them is that the community couldn't figure out a way to get a new stadium built, right? Key Arena was aging. They couldn't figure it out. And that part of that, you know, I mean, you can argue about Clay Bennett's intentions from the jump. Um, but that was part of the reason why they moved to Oklahoma City. Paul Allen refused to let that happen in Portland. And not only that, like, here's something I haven't done enough research on this, but his vision for the Rose Garden as being something more lasting because it's one of the larger arenas in the in the NBA, even though it's not so new anymore. I think it was built in 95, but it was built in such a way that it could handle not only uh, expansion or different types of venues in the actual arena part itself, but like the concours are very, very wide. It can accommodate a lot of different people. We've seen there have been like these refreshes of the now yeah. the Moda Center that have happened recently and frankly it's a pretty beautiful piece of architecture um and and you know i mean again it's 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 almost 20 over 20 years ago now that it was built so all this is to say yeah it's a huge loss for portland and for the pacific northwest so yeah rest in peace paul allen and thank you for all you did for the for the portland trailblazers whether you use a personal computer or are a fan of the nba or or many other things in our daily life uh he has affected it and he he certainly will be missed uh on opening night let's just mention this real quick before moving on uh, on opening night, they have put a hat and rose on his seat down under one of the baskets. Uh, there's also uh, a, a scattering of roses and kind of a memorial out on the Rip City letters outside the Rose Garden. Uh, and I believe the intent is to leave that for most of the season, if not the entire season. So this yeah. really is going to be a, a uh, play for Paul year, I guess. Yeah, and that's, I mean, it's a great point about the tribute that they had throughout that Lakers game. And here's a moment, like I was lucky enough to attend that game in person. My friend Zach, uh, I mentioned on a previous podcast, got me tickets. I still haven't paid him back. Don't tell him. <laughs> um, uh, but I got all of his beers and in food and stuff. But yeah, I still need to pay him back for that. Um, sorry about that, Zach, if you're listening. But it was interesting. They had a moment of silence uh, at the beginning of the game. And there were a lot of Lakers fans in attendance, and there was a lot of chattering leading up to the moment of silence from Lakers fans. They were kind of still talking, where Blazers fans were like kind of listening, and like maybe it was just in my section, but I was so worried that people were not going to respect the moment of silence. Disrespectful, yeah. And and to their credit, they did. I mean, it was so. I've never been in the Moda Center, and and had it been dead silent. There was not one voice. There was not a rustle. You couldn't hear anything. And there are 20,000 people in there. It was really, really impactful. So again, you know, props to the visiting fans that attended for respecting that. That was uh, that was a good show. And and again, just to extend uh, extend it even beyond the Rose Garden, uh, the Warriors, the opening night game uh, had a moment of silence for Paul Allen as well. Before yes. I believe, before they did their ring ceremony. So it's Miami it, Heat. I think yeah, yeah, a number of teams. But yeah. let's let's talk really quick. I mean, good time as any, I guess, to talk about the Blazers' season thus far. Uh, beat the Lakers. Uh, do you have any takeaways specifically from that game? I mean, obviously our interview with David ran long. We want to respect the listeners time. They don't want to listen to us prattle on and on, but was there anything about that Lakers <laughs> game that jumped out to you besides Nick Stauskas? Of course, that's the easy one. Stauskas tying his career high was pretty amazing. Uh, I, I, I'm going to say right now, I'm going to go on a limb. I think that he passes that at some point this season. I think this is the Ooh. best fit that Stauskas has had all Hot year take. or all, all career for him. Uh, so I, I say he's getting at least uh, going to improve like a 28 point 
uh, game at some point this year. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I could actually see that, by the way. Outside of that, I was impressed uh, just that Lillard seems like mid-season form already. And unfortunately, that contrasted with the way that CJ so far is looking, in my opinion. He is really... CJ just seems like he's got to shake the rust off still or find what his new role is with this whole playmaker styling that we've been talking about for the offseason. But there's there's certainly a contrast between the two of them. Well, let's talk about that really quick. Like, have you... And I know it's, it's... When you look at box scores, it may not tell the whole story, but when you, now that I said that, let's talk about the box scores. When you look at (laughs) CJ, I mean, he, he did, he made a big deal about he wants to pass more and be more of a facilitator. Well, through three games, he has four, two, and one assist, right? Uh, I mean, is there anything substantively different about the way he's playing that you think might be contributing to the fact that he is in a shooting slump? He's only shooting 35% on the year. He went one for nine for deep against the Wizards yesterday. That was a bummer. Five for 25 overall. It was pretty terrifying, frankly. Uh, I'm... I'm, I'm not sure if, uh, I'm, again, I think small sample size is going to be a big factor in this. I'm not losing faith in CJ. I think what we have seen already, I think he is looking to draw a little more contact. And so I think his game, he is conscious of what he's trying to do, but it's just not all clicking together for him yet. Uh, I would say, I, I think if anything, uh, we've noticed one of the other big differences so far in these in this small sample has been that we are actually seeing points where Dame and CJ are both off the court, where neither of them are, are stuck running the offense. What I think the other side of that could be is that more of CJ's minutes will be spent not running the offense as a playmaker, but running next to Dame or next to Evan Turner. So if you're wanting him to be a playmaker, making him the second option on 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 the playmaking seems like kind of uh, maybe counter counterintuitive. Yeah, I mean that does seem odd, right? Because those are two narratives you heard them both at the same time. Evan Turner is going to be playmaking more, and so is CJ McCollum. Uh, okay, well, that doesn't make sense because there's only 48 minutes in a game and only five positions on the court, and Dame is obviously going to facilitate when he's on the court. So, like, yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Like, there's nothing that I can see. Like, the eye test isn't telling me anything. I mean, sometimes you have poor shooting games. The ball doesn't go in. That's just what happens. And, like, I do have to say this, too, about the Wizards game. For as many shots and as many as many shots the Blazers didn't make, and as many crappy turnovers turnovers as they had, it felt oddly the opposite for Washington. And I noted that they had not one but two shots that were unintentionally banked in. So I guess hmm. this begs the question, Keith: Are the Blazers cursed? Is that the reason why <laughs> they lost to Washington in overtime? Are they indeed cursed? Maybe it's because of the Halloween costumes they wore Look. before the game. <laughs> Myers Leonard. No, 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 no. I like... won't stand for that. Those Halloween costumes were amazing. Okay. Dame in the Stone Cold Steve Austin was yeah. fantastic. And Mo Harkless, my man Mo, oh my God. dressing up. Oh my God, I couldn't handle it. That, that was, was just so much. amazing. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, not, not even going to go into all the characters for it. You guys can find the pictures for it. Uh, but, but Mo, Mo, I, and also, okay, fine. I admit it. I'm forgetting the name. What is that character's name from, uh, the David Chappelle skits? I the, forgot the, the, too. Let's just, <laughs> let's just gloss over we'll, that one. We'll edit that part out. Uh, no, look, let's <laughs> <laughs> as far as Evan Turner, though, I did want to add in here, while CJ's numbers are not looking so good, Evan Turner, who averages three and a half assists on his career, has had two games of five or more so far in these first three. So, small sample size aside, maybe the playmaking is working out for him, and we just got to figure out where CJ's new fit is. If he's not always going to be playing, if he's not going to be running the offense when Dame is out, 
what is he supposed to be doing when when Evan when he is playing next to Evan Turner? Right, and like maybe the pivot is that CJ's like, you know what, to hell with the assists. I'm just going to be as aggressive on offense as humanly possible because part of the reason why Evan Turner I think is is averaging more assists, uh, it, he's looking for it. But the Blazers have more shooters now around him. They have Seth Curry. Yes, they have Nick, Nick Scousis. Like like Zach Collins is a shooter. Like they have more shooters around him. It's as simple as that. So like. If CJ wants to be like, you know what, I'm just going to focus on getting the line more. Like, again, just forget about passing more, just be more aggressive. That maybe wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, honestly. And he is getting the line a bit. He's a, he's a, or I just saw these numbers, six, six, three, and two across the first three. So that's not a huge improvement, but I like that he started out with six. How about let's leave with that? And I would say the eye test at the very least, uh, he looks like he's looking to draw contact more than he used to. Uh, he still has a lot of the jitterbug style going on and, I do feel that could be partly the problem is he isn't looking when he gets the ball in his hands. He's not looking to distribute and find where he can assemble an offense. He's kind of taking a few dribbles and getting his handle going himself. Uh, but he is looking for contact, and that's the important part for that. Uh, let's move on. I think we've kind of given a good taste, a good little kind of appetizer of Blazer Uh Blazer talk before we get in with David here because uh, for those of you that have not realized it yet, this might not be as Blazer-centric as some of our podcasts, but we'll get (laughs) David McKay in here now and see how it goes. It's just continued to bleed into days with like more Spitgate coverage. Well, now at least it's like done, right? Like, or is it? I mean, maybe we should save it for the pod, but like, maybe it's not done. Yeah, I mean, there's like, did you see the stuff with Glenn Davis at all? Any of that? No. So yes. Like, I did not. Okay, <laughs> but that's good to talk about. Yeah, we can say that. Okay, so how does this sound now as far as the mic? I've got a little bit better levels on this end. It's better, better. but it's not its usual self. It's, but it, I mean, as long as you are recording normally, then I don't care what it sounds like for us, really. Yeah, I've got a recording and it seems to be coming out okay, so okay. at the very least I'll just uh, have to give that little precursor of a head cold. So what what did you change? I'm just curious. Uh, added a little bit more gain on the high end uh, on the yeah. mixer. Yeah. Oh, did you did you knock the mixer around? Is that what happened? I mean, I'm curious if that's what it was. I don't know what else it could have been because everything, everything on the computer yeah. is saved, so I don't know that's, what else it would be. That's happened to me before too. So like, I don't know if you're going to hear this necessarily, but if I were to roll this all the way down like this, like, did that make a difference at all? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That's, that's some, so I'm gonna put it back up. So yeah, if you, uh, that's probably what it was because I've done that. I've like knocked the knob and it's fucked it up. Um, okay, well, let us then um, let's let's rock and roll. What? So we're not gonna talk about Paul Allen because David hated Paul Allen. We all know it. And he's one. No, just kidding. Uh, yeah. No, I, I think I think we should talk about it just because we recorded right before it happened last week. So it's kind of one of those things we haven't touched on and just out of respect. But yeah, it's not something we have to involve the guests in. We got plenty of other stuff to go over with, uh, you know, all the spitgate that you haven't gone through yet a million times over. Yes. <laughs> let's talk. Let's start with spitgate and then yeah. we can go into. Um, well, I mean, you. so I keep forgetting that you're. You're so doing I, stuff. I'm still happy to talk about the Blazers. Like I'm kind of keeping an eye on that, but the way I look at it is like I'm trying to, like I, again, obviously I'm I'm very happy to talk about the Blazers, but like in terms of physically intaking games myself, I'm letting letting myself just kind of you know it's been six years, right? So I'm gonna kind of. Well, I mean, yeah, I 
I think if we go from Spitgate into talking about the first couple games, uh, I feel like this will pretty easily flow into into plenty to talk about, like what you guys have noticed, who you think will be a highlight, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, well, I mean, for do sure. We, do we want to? Um... I mean, we could we could always frame it in the context of the Western Conference and just see where the conversation takes us, rather than right. So, Keith, I'm just gonna trust Keith to do his job, and I'll shut the fuck up. So, <laughs> um, well, hey, Brandon. Uh, so, you guys know each other from back when. Did you want to yeah. do this intro to mix it up a little bit, or you want me to just go with the usual? Oh, I've got the notes in there. That just got the quick notes in the uh, outline. A, if you want to, that you know, that's kind of uh, yeah. Let's do it. Um, right, cool. I, and I don't need I don't need no stinking notes. I know what Jason's done. <laughs> you can't hide from me. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Cool. Well, uh, yeah. I'm already recording. I'm ready when you are. All right, uh, David. Are you ready to rock? I want to check one thing super quick, and then I'm ready to rock. Again, your your, your face looks great, man. You don't have to keep checking it. Okay. <laughs> this is just a podcast. We're not a video cast yet. I wanted to pull up Anthony Simon's statistics just because, like, I was high on him coming in from the summer, and I haven't paid really any attention to what he's done thus far. He hasn't played in the regular season, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think he's really done much. Yeah. Oh, gee. Oh, well, in that case, I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> I mean, we got to talk about Nick Stauskas somehow, but absolutely. So pull up, pull yeah, up I'm his happy stats. To. Uh, I did earlier. It looks like he's doing pretty well. I mean, obviously, he had that scoring outburst that kind of inflates the points per game, but his efficiency has been great. Yeah, he. it's funny. The uh, So the three games, he goes 7 for 11, 1 for 5, 5 for 10, which it's interesting. It's, it's almost like how he plays during a game because he'll catch fire. And he did this the first and the third game where it's like then he'll like airball something and just out of nowhere and be like, what was that? So it's... <laughs> uh, kind of like consistently inconsistent but it's it's sample size of three uh he looks a lot better than i thought he would anyway i'll save it for the pod um oh yeah yeah i know i should or is i'm just happy to shoot the shit with you guys to be honest so whatever we talk about is great told no i'm i'm down with that and we're gonna try to get you in and out in a clean 25 and we've already spent 18 so we've got seven left (laughs) (laughs) all right uh i'm ready to go when you guys are cool uh you take it away sir you got the intro oh i'm all nervous (laughs) <laughs> oh, one more thing. Uh, so for the Rip City project, David, were they when you were in charge? Was it editor in chief? Was that the title at that time? I would just say managing editor. It oh, just great. makes things cleaner. Great, because now they're using a. So managing editor. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Bit. Oh god, that's lame. It's so lame. I think that I think they're legit doing it to avoid. I think I really think oh, that's what yeah, it is. Really. Yeah. Do we have a ding? Can we put a ding yeah, button ding. on this? Yeah. Uh, you know I'm <laughs> already been like. Sorry. One of the things like I'm not going to talk about on the pod. Oh, for it's sure. Like, no, it's, it's ridiculous. It's really sad. Um. By the and, way. Oh, go for it. No, I was just going to say, and now we need you to stay for our whole part that we do after the guest interviews. Now, the, the, the deep dives in all the. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Well, and. It's funny because I've been leaving in the the pre-recording chatter, so I've been recording this whole time. So I will blank that part out, but it's gonna like, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> blackmail. I'm basically, I'm basically, I'm basically 
ripping off the True Hoop podcast and ha- but fuck it, whatever they call themselves nowadays. Um, all right, here we go. Uh, Look, we mentioned the dings as well. Like they do the whole count the dings. Like yeah, this is yeah, we've got references all over the know. place. Yeah. All the anyway. Easter eggs, it's all out there. Yeah, yeah. I Take it away. Like, it's not like they came up with that concept, but anyway. All right, ready to rock. Do it. All right. He was the managing editor at RipCityProject.com, where he had the foolishness to actually get me on board a couple of years ago. Then he was the news <laughs> editor at Blazer's Edge. He is now, I believe, the editor-in-chief of Rockets Wire USA Today. On the show is David McKay. David, what's up, man? Not much. How's it going? I'm happy to be here. Gosh, uh... Let me just let me just turn this real fast, Brandon. That was beautiful. You, you get to do all the intros from now on. I'm done. I'm retired from that. <laughs> no, I'm totally I'm totally thrown off because you always start the podcast and I just kind of want to like fade into the background. So I'm just gonna <laughs> just sneak off the screen and let you take it. So back to you, David. How are things uh, since you were last on with us a while ago? Things are good. I mean, I, things have been super busy just because you know the Rockets are you know doing a lot of stuff. They had a busy off season. They've had a busy start to the season. So. It's just been a lot, but it's been great. Well, we're not even going to get into the off-season part. Normally, we've been starting these pods with a, a Jimmy Butler update, just kind of following that along since it was semi-parallel to Blazers. But we have no time for the fact that Jimmy Butler came in and was booed when he started the game and then went to MVP chance by the end of the game. We have no time for any of that because there has been uh, a fracas, fisticuffs, uh, all sorts of words that we've heard referred to uh, for this game, Houston versus Lakers the other night, Saturday night, fight night on Saturday night. And so, David, uh, this is basically, uh, we were going to get you in here today ago and this essentially took up your entire weekend from the sounds of it and probably still is tuesday evening oh yeah definitely my favorite word for it is uh kerfuffle just because it's a fantastic kerfuffle. word nice. <laughs> and there but, we go. yeah that's that's been uh that's taken a lot of energy but it, it was it was kind of silly to see like two 33 year olds or i think is, is rondo 34 is paul 34 anyway they're in there like <laughs> really get into it in an NBA game. Like, you didn't expect that. You almost never see punches thrown anymore. Well, you know what, David? I find that offensive as a 33, soon to be 34 year old. That like <laughs> I am just that immature. I would totally do that. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't spit in some dude's face. I mean, I, but I want to start with like. So first of all, like obviously Chris Paul and Rajon Rondo don't have the friendliest history. I mean, can you give us a sense? I mean, has this been brewing for a while? I mean, do you have any background on like their relationship just kind of as as players? Well, they've never really liked each other. I think it would be fair to say they've actively disliked each other for a long, long time, and that's something that Doc Rivers corroborated. But it, it's just like... I don't know. I, I feel like if unless you're really a fan of the teams they're on, both Rondo and Chris Paul are some of the most hated players <laughs> in the NBA. Yep. So it's interesting to watch people now take sides because it's it's not like who is the champion of your cause, it's who do you hate less. It's generally for me, it's like watching Houston and the Lakers face off at all. That's pretty much like which team am I rooting less against at this point? Yeah, I I think between those two rosters with Harden as well and thrown in the mix and now LeBron for a lot of people, too, you probably have some of the most uh, negative uh, fan influence players. I'm not sure. How would you put that? You don't want to just say fan disliked. But uh, just, yeah, I, mean, I do. Yeah, just I mean, there are some players that it is harder to root for than others. And like the thing with me, like I feel like 
Rajon Rondo is kind of an easy target, right? Because he hasn't had like the most success since, you know, the Celtics. And, you know, he used to be a really good defender. And then he got injured and his defense isn't what it used to be anymore. And like with Chris Paul, like he's also kind of easy to root against. Like, oh, you know, until last year, he never made it to the conference finals. And he's always flopping. He's the, you know, the head of the players union. And like he's negotiating things in the CBA that end up secretly benefiting him like the next year. So like, <laughs> let me ask him, like, I don't want to ask David this because, again, David is running a rocket site so I'll, I'll keep you out of the keith uh, between chris paul and rajon rondo who do you hate more uh, I, honestly i gotta go with chris paul i i'm, I'm sorry david i know Ooh. that's your man over there but uh chris paul like I, I and respect to him as well as one of the top point guards of of our time if not of nba history uh I certainly have respect for the talents, but I just don't like the way he goes about the game often. The kind of Napoleon complex that you see come out now and then. Although, at the same time, if someone was patting me on the top of the head, I probably wouldn't react well either. So, can't really say too much about that. Um, I, just to draw in a little more on this too, it wasn't just Chris Paul and Rondo, although the, they were the ones that landed the punches. But this, uh, and David, correct me if I'm wrong, I would take this back to the point where uh, Harden was fouled by Ingram. And uh, then Ingram is almost kind of, I guess, kind of trying to complain to the refs and Harden, in my opinion, and maybe kind of the way it's been talked about on on ESPN and the rest, uh, Harden kind of waits in front of him, kind of tries to almost kind of agitate a little bit, and uh, Ingram takes the bait, right? He pushes Harden, and then he gets in the ref's face, kind of throws a finger up at him, and obviously that all came before the actual spit gate part but uh i don't know it's the 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 levels of this i don't feel like we see this very often in the nba like when was the last real uh i guess you know kerfuffle as we were saying uh to this to this level would it be uh, well maybe not to this level but i know like a flawless through a haymaker at uh Bielica? am i saying that right Bielica? Bielica? yeah last, uh, anyway Bielica yeah, that, B- yeah 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 God, none of us can pronounce it. Damn it. Bielitsa. Biel- oh, Nemanja yeah, Bielitsa. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stick with Bielica just because that's the way I've been saying it. But at any rate, like, I don't know. I feel like Harden actually didn't have the presence of mind in that instance to really hover in front of him because he did take the push in the back. Um, that being said, Brandon Ingram really, like, for a player whose reputation is to be particularly quiet, like, to come out and really get in Jason Phillips' face and, like, in a really, really menacing way. Right. Like, that right there, I feel like, was almost going to result in an ejection until players really got involved. But then that player involvement escalated uh, when Rondo, I don't know, do we want to say intentionally, unintentionally? Oh, man. (laughs) Intense one of those things. But it happened, for sure. There's no doubt. We've all seen the video right at this point. It did happen. It wasn't Melo's spit. It was Rondo's spit. Well, and wait, I I know I'm cutting both of you off, but, like, just like I have to say when it happened, I was convinced that he totally did not spit, right? And it wasn't until <laughs> that like super high def four K video came out that it was like, Oh, he totally yeah, from the spit. Rocket stuff. The yeah. little highlight circle showing in slow motion as it goes through and oh well, yeah, you can and see, see that. that's the thing is like Rondo's body language was so nonchalant that like that's that's what makes me like kinda believe him that maybe he didn't mean to, but at the same time it's hard to like have that volume of saliva expelled from your face on accident. You know, like he wasn't even saying something. It wasn't like a say it, don't spray it. He was like turning his head and just puffed out <laughs> this little blast. You've been and, like, you've, you've it, just been waiting to work that little phrase into a podcast for years. I know you have. <laughs> <laughs> but like, oh, I've had to dig through. I feel like it, you know that episode of Seinfeld, the like magic loogie or whatever. Yes, I feel totally. like this conspiracy theory. So I've gone over all the angles. I've How read do I keep all the bringing top. up Seinfeld on here because <laughs> it's the greatest show of all time. You bum. Pretty solid. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, you got the, the, the second spitter and, and all of that. Well, let me... Let, well, and see, that's where the internet... Sorry, sorry. That's where the no, internet no. literally went with it. They were like, was it mellow? And they're like oh, trying to get these different shots of it. And oh my God. I'm talking about, but Rondo wears a mouth guard. It couldn't have been Rondo. Uh, no one can spit through a mouth guard. And no one's the, ever done that. No, yeah, definitely not. And by the way, like, yeah, like it was obviously super duper on purpose. He wasn't talking. Like, I think his whole nonchalantness was like him being super crafty about not getting caught. And he would have he would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for that meddling high definition camera. Like if this had <laughs> happened in the mid nineties, I don't think that he would have ever gotten popped for it. What do you think about that? I think well, that's I mean, probably fair. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. You're, you're, you're right. I, I think that's a, that's an absolutely fair take. I think the video definitely played a part in it. Although, if this happened in the mid '90s, would this have looked like a different fight in general? Would you have seen oh, yeah. more people? Because okay, so let's say so after the spit happened, Chris Paul doesn't start with a swing. He throws fingers up in Rondo's face. You know, again, disrespectful, but it's not the same quite as as. And Rondo was so ready for it. He comes straight in with the left hook, connects on that. Chris Paul gets an uppercut in there. Brandon Ingram comes flying in from left field. Like just wants to throw more punches as if he hasn't done enough already. And Lance <laughs> Lance Stevenson comes in as a peacemaker. Like Rondo or sorry, uh, LeBron is pulling Chris Paul out and Lance Stevenson just comes in the middle and he's like, Can't we all get along? He's got this look on him. Like, that's not what I expected his role to be in the middle of all this. But I mean, I don't know. I, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting sidetracked no, on no, Go no. ahead. I mean, back to your point about like if this had happened in the mid nineties, what would have happened? Like Luke Walton would have been holding on to LeBron's right. leg, like being dragged along the floor. Like this probably would have been a bigger fight had it happened, you know, a while ago. And it was interesting. It, I think that it was the Dunked On podcast, Nate Duncan, Dane LaRue, who were talking about the suspensions. And David, I want you to talk about not only what the suspensions were, but whether or not you think they were fair. But one point that they had was uh, not only because there hasn't been a fight like this in a while, but also because Adam Silver is in charge, that you know maybe the suspensions didn't have to be as harsh as they could have been because you don't really have to send that message just because it doesn't happen as much. Keith, do you have a thought on that? Let me just add in before we move on to the suspension part. I, one other, I, as far as, again, comparing this back to the 90s, I heard from, I think, The Athletic said that uh, Rondo's girlfriend had some sort of confrontation, verbal confrontation with Chris Paul's wife. Oh, yeah, and then even, right. <laughs> even on top of that, on top of that, Anthony Kiedis so of the Red funny. Hot Chili Peppers, a, a, a you know courtside fan, Anthony Kiedis, got apparently tossed out for also getting into it with Chris Paul on the way out. Now, I mean, David, maybe you have more on that kind of stuff, or maybe it's not anything that you're following up on, because this seems completely non-basketball related. But again, would this have happened back in the 90s where you're seeing some, I, I guess, rock star guy mouthing off in front of him and having him not get popped in the action as well, I guess? Well, and if you've actually, if you've watched the footage very closely, as I, like I say, unfortunately, have had the displeasure uh, <laughs> of doing, I don't know. You can see like Travis Scott courtside rooting on Chris Paul, like, come on, let's go. You got him. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, you know, if this was the 90s, I think it would have gotten even more out of hand. But to the, the point of suspensions, I think Ingram got four games, uh, which makes sense because. You have the shove in the back. You have the the uh, menacing the official. You have instigating and escalating, throwing a punch. All that, yeah, makes sense. He would get the most games. Rondo got three. Uh, I think that came from the league recognizing that the spit was like the the catalyst to all of it. And then Chris Paul got two. And realistically, all of those players should have had near double that in terms of. <laughs> there we go. I'm serious. Like, none of it was harsh enough, not even close. And if you look at the way the league has handled stuff like that in the past, it's very inconsistent because you have 
uh, tying this into Blazers, of course, is famously like CJ McCollum last year uh, getting go. suspended for the season opener for what stepping on the court with no violent intent whatsoever during a preseason game. But not Steph Curry. No, no thing for Steph Curry. Anyway, please. Continue. Right, right. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So that's that's what I mean. Is like you look at Chris Paul and he stuck his finger in a guy's face through multiple punches connected on multiple punches and at least solid and a half yeah that was a good one i, I mean i don't condone violence in this <laughs> uh, i'm getting you in but, there <laughs> <laughs> but like and then had to be pulled apart and he had one more game than cj who took three steps and i guess that's half as bad like i don't know <laughs> yeah i does seem kind of weird to me too i agree with you that i don't feel like the suspensions were quite harsh enough but that begs this question do you think that because of these lighter suspensions that it's more likely we're going to see something like this in the future do you think this is going to affect future behavior i guess is what i'm asking no i don't really think so just because i don't think players generally are looking to get into fights in the first place and then on top of that they don't want to lose money from being suspended at all but it does set sort of a an uncomfortable precedence I mean, going back to that Aflalo uh, haymaker I mentioned, he got suspended two games, I think. And so, was, I mean, that was. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. With this game, the the haymaker was that the 2006 game in Madison Square Gardens with Mello as well. Is that the same one I'm thinking no, about? No, no, sorry. Right. That was uh, that was just like last year. Oh gosh. Okay, I just knew they've both been Nuggets before. I was think I wasn't sure if this was crossover or not. No, sorry. Continue. Go ahead. No, I, it's just because I'd been like reviewing past instances when I was trying to figure out what the length of the suspension was likely to be. Um, I remember Bobby Marks said it was likely going to be one game, even. So uh, the fact that multiple all players involved got multiple games is is pretty uh, good in that regard, but still not heavy handed enough. They just kind of softballed those out. Let, let me. Let me bring this up real quick as well, just since I already kind of mentioned it. The the ones that I looked back on, I, I was certainly further back, but uh, Melo in 2006 got 15 games for the fight in Madison Square Garden, and that's when he was Nugget back then. That's kind of what that crossover was. But even last year, uh, I, I heard Jalen Rose point this out on Jalen and Jacoby. Uh, shout out to our friends, obviously over there. You know, they're they're passing tips down to our podcast. Big friends, uh, but, big listeners. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. He points out he points out that Bobby Portis got suspended eight games last season, or maybe the season before for punching uh, Miritich before now, he got traded away. Be that, was in, that was in practice. That was a private event. This was on the main stage. He, this, uh, it's crazy that he got eight games for that and the biggest one in this was four. But he rearranged a dude's face and then he couldn't play for a while. So like, but, but, see this These were up, landed punches on the, on, on a, on a big NBA night? I don't well, know, man. That's, well, and ahead. that brings up, that brings up the question about like, do you think that the intent or the result is is more of a determinant of what the punishment should be. I think that's what I think of with these kinds of things. I think both need to be taken into account. But one of the things you've got to look at with Bobby Portis is like that was a teammate. That wasn't like heat of the moment, like other guy. He said he said and like pulled sure. apart. It was like in practice, you're supposed to have some degree of camaraderie, and he just clocked him. And Miritich missed weeks. I think he missed something like eight weeks. I don't, yeah, I don't have yeah. numbers in front of me. Uh, so there's the result, and then the intent was clearly poor as well. But I remember, so like Ingram with the four game suspension, um, that was that's the longest the league has doled out for an in game fight since uh, I think our test. What are we calling Ron Artest or Meta World Peace? Oh, oh our test. We're calling him our test. So you're talking about Malice in the Palace. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Since, since Ron Artest elbowed uh, James Harden in the 2012 April. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. Forgot yeah, about that one. Yeah, he had that dunk and was quote unquote. I guess people can't see me doing the air quotes. We'll see. <laughs> celebrating, he like swung his elbow and just oh man. By the way, but that, that was I think seven. Games. Yeah, I mean, by the I just want to say this: when I was in high school, some dude wearing a cast. Uh, swung his elbows into my face doing that. It did not feel good at all. Wish that guy was a <laughs> But I, I think that part of this, like the suspensions being doled out, yeah, people definitely want to know about Brandon's high school basketball career. Part about this I'm is great. like, <laughs> yeah, we're all here for it. Um, I think part of this, and David, you kind of, you hit on it. It's like, was it in the flow of the game? Like the escalation of like the Harden and the Ingram and the Chris Paul, like it all had this kind of natural kind of escalation. Whereas like, you know, the Bobby Portis thing or like uh, Ron Artest Swina's elbow is like so out of the blue. I think that that's a little more unsettling for people. Like you can kind of understand like tensions get high and they get higher and more heated that like maybe that's part of the reason why the suspension wasn't quite as long. But I just want to say this. And maybe this is a hot take. I think that this will I think this will result in people being just a little less cautious. I think people look at this and they're like, oh, wow, like four games for Brandon Ingram, like maybe people be like just that much more likely to stick up for their teammate, whatever sticking up for your teammate means. Like, I think it's quite possible. So I, I just on that note too, I saw Evan M joking on Twitter. He said, uh, if I'm Boogie Cousins, I try to sit out the entire regular season. He doesn't want no smoke after Myers read that you only get a few games for going upside someone's head. So just kind of bringing that back <laughs> towards, I mean, yeah, Myers is going to realize that it's not going to cost him that long and he's not maybe playing all these games anyway, as we saw just the other night, just to kind of bring this uh, back blazer centric for a second. I do want to get in a hot take on this though. And, and David putting you on the spot a little, maybe intentionally, unintentionally, not really. Uh, totally on purpose hot take though on on this whole fight on spitgate is the nba avoiding suspending the lakers players more games since it would look so bad if lebron and his new lakers team you know missed the playoffs or, or went like let's say won eight games of the first 20 is this maybe a little bit of a some market favoritism like we saw with curry not getting any suspension uh for the same as what cj did dun 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 conspiracy against the blazers what i'm trying to say here <laughs> i mean it, it definitely could be you, i mean we see yes <laughs> uh, like no seriously just like historically how much the league favors uh, putting superstars on the floor. So keeping them off the floor for an extended period of time, well, that isn't to say that, you know, obviously Brandon Ingram or Rajon Rondo are superstars. Uh, <laughs> Chris Paul, on the other hand, you know. Uh, <laughs> there but, we go. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think what they're trying to do is, is just make sure that the entertainment value for fans isn't impacted in the long term, but at the same time, try not to appear too soft on them. I think they did appear too soft on them, but, you know. I think this appears a little too soft, uh, but uh, we, we we do want to move this on to Blazers before we get you out of here. I know we've been uh, already kind of running. We could run this whole podcast probably just talking Spitgate, which is, I'm yeah. sure, just what you've been hoping for the whole time that you've yes. been... <laughs> speaking, speaking of soft, let's talk about the Blazers. <laughs> just okay. kidding. Let me just, let me just uh, add in here one last thing, too. Uh, shout out over to Dwight Janes. He has a write-up on NBC Sports Northwest about how penalties need to be more severe to deter more dangerous violence from uh, athletes, especially in front of, uh, uh, I guess, defenseless crowds, I guess would be the best way to put it. Check that one out. I thought it was a pretty good read. But tying that in towards the Blazers, have, uh, David, have you been watching the first three games of the season so far for us, the, the match against the Lakers and Spurs? Uh, as little as possible. <laughs> I still have plenty of Blazers takes. I've been kind of keeping up with the narratives and the statistics, but 
as you mean a you've been busy? Blazers writer, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but as a recovering Blazers writer, I think I'm just kind of taking a minute to breathe in, breathe out before revisiting the team. But that isn't just <laughs> like I won't watch them. I've actually been really excited to approach them as as a more of a local fan than someone who's dissecting the failures as I have been for the past several years. Getting to actually, yeah, actually play the fan card and not have to just play the analyst for it. It is kind of funny how I never, before we started podcasting last year, I'd only been the fan. I never really thought about, you know, you hear uh, Casey and Joe mention that on Rip City Report as well about how they're not fans. They have to be the analyst and this is the job. I hadn't really like kind of like thought about the real difference of that, but I'm, I'm maybe starting to see that a little bit. And I, I, it's kind of interesting to hear you coming out the other side too. Brian, where are you, you going to throw I, in there? I just have a quick take. I know we've talked about this before, so I won't go too long. Like, I think this, the, the, the people are like, well, I'm, I'm totally not a fan of this team. I'm a serious reporter. Like, I, I feel like I'm not calling anyone out specifically. I feel like that's like a little not necessary. Cause here's the thing. Like, what does being a fan mean? Like, to me, it means that you have like, some interest in the team succeeding, right? And I think actually Casey Holdall has taken the best, most nuanced view of this, which is like, you know, as a Trailblazers employee, like he would prefer if the team did well, like it's easier to work with the players, like it's better for his colleagues of the team. Like he would prefer the team to do well. Like, does that mean he's a fan? Like, I don't know, maybe, but like this, this I think that I think that it is fit. Here's my hot take. You guys get in the oven mitts out again. I think it's fiction <laughs> that you can't both have an interest in something and be objective when you cover it. I think you absolutely can do both. And I think there are people who cover different sectors, like whether they're like an environmental reporter or a politics reporter or whatever and like you can do both like i don't know if either of you have a different take but i don't think you necessarily have to say well if i'm a serious reporter i can't be a fan i don't buy that i think i have a related take it's not the exact same but what it is for me what it was is like i started out as a blazers fan and i'd still say that i have a, a rooting interest in the blazers and i guess you could count me among fans as well in that regard but the more time you spend closer to an organization, the less, I guess, the more detached you are from just the on-court product. Yeah. And the whole milieu just kind of like blends together and all the frustrations of one side and all the frustrations and successes of the other, you just kind of take it as one package. And just like sometimes, you know, dealing with various things, it kind of it weighs on you and it becomes stressful. And as it is part of, uh part of the job i would say it just kind of like you find yourself growing further from like hooray big game and closer to just like oh gosh what do i have to deal with here well i mean you obviously had a presence like at the arena and like during practices and and during media availability like did you find that there was some level of like disillusionment or disenchantment or like some of like that magic something was kind of gone, like the more that you did get involved and the more that you did kind of see behind the scenes? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think part of it is just like, I like, I don't want to sound ungrateful for what I do. I've worked very hard to be where I am and do what I do, but it's just kind of like, I don't know. I, I, there are sides to it that just aren't necessarily readily apparent. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus because obviously, you know, you deal with a lot of people via email, on the phone, in person. You can throw but, me under uh, the bus. That's all right. Don't worry about no, it. No, no, no. <laughs> but sometimes just like, you know, the, the way that things are set up can be kind of grating. And um, it's nice to escape that now and then. Well, I, I just, just want to say, say that if, uh, 
if you're saying it's okay for David to be a fan of the Rockets because he works with the Rockets, I'm not sure I'm okay with that because uh, <laughs> the idea that we have a Rockets fan here on our podcast, I, I'm this is this is fighting words. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. I would say, you know, actually, I I wouldn't classify myself as a Rockets fan yet. I definitely have a deeper appreciation for the team now that I'm looking at them with a more critical eye, but. More than anything, I'm a PJ Tucker fan. The Rockets as a oh, whole, yes. Oh, yeah. yes, right, right. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. For the for the record, he is like the same height as CJ McCollum. He's billed at six five. He's wow. more like six three, and they play really? him because he's built like a bowling ball in small ball lineups. Because <laughs> he just gets low and he has that low center of gravity, squares his hips, and you can't like gain ground on him. But anyway, sorry, I, I was getting off track. Well, hold on. On PJ Tucker, is he really keeping it up so far? Is he going to be wearing like a different pair of shoes every game or every half or every quarter at this point? I, he has more shoes than there are NBA games, so I don't <laughs> doubt that he'll have a different. Did you see he busted out the uh, Beast LeBron 2s versus LeBron, which I think there were only like a couple <laughs> pairs in existence. And he's wearing them in the game. I love it. What a power Yeah, it's great. <laughs> but like, right. I look at the Rockets. Oh, sorry. But uh, just more like the way I approach Post Malone's music. Which is to say that like 20% of it, I'm like, wow, this is really good. I didn't expect to like this, but I can't deny that I do. And then like 60%, I don't care at all. It's like neutral. I don't have a stance (laughs) on it. And then 20%, that last 20% just makes me want to shove angry bees in my ear canal, you know? (laughs) Rockets are for me is like, there are little, little gems where I'm like, oh, wow, you know, this is actually really nuanced and interesting to pay attention to. A lot of it's just kind of the wash that the pundits have been talking about forever. And then the last little bit is like, come on, guys, get it together. That last part is that Blazer fan still alive in you, I swear. Uh, let's swing it back, though. Uh, just talking about the last couple games we've had as far as the, the the first week of the Blazers. We took down the Lakers in a pretty awesome home opener. Uh, and I definitely had the, the element of kind of the Paul Allen Memorial going on there. We took down the Spurs, uh, LaMarcus and his new friend DeRozan on Saturday night. And Fuck maybe you, LaMarcus. Last- I'm not even thinking about you anymore, bro. <laughs> And look, let's just say maybe last night shouldn't count as the first week of games. You know, since we're doing this podcast on Tuesday, a little late than usual. That Monday night loss to the Wizards in overtime by one point. Uh, let's just you know, not erase that one from the history books. It's not going to count for this week or next week. It's gone. It's done. Well, it's still I heard there. That one was <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that was a nasty game. There are a ton of turnovers, and I mean, it was like I think um, Aaron Mesh of Willamette Week said it best on Twitter where he said, the thing I hated most about this game is that I got emotionally invested in it at the end. Because it was like, (laughs) it was a cool finish. Like, anytime a game goes to overtime, like, it's fun. Like, it doesn't matter how you got there, but it was, it was a pretty... A pretty nasty game. I mean, let's maybe quickly. I mean, we don't have to go too heavy into it. And obviously, it's only three games in a season. But I mean, Nick Stauskas has looked good. I mean, I think that he's looked good beyond the box score. And, you know, he had one really good game, one not great game, and then another good game. Um, but more, it's just how he plays and how he moves and particularly his willingness to drive. That's not something I was expecting. I thought that if he was going to help, it was just be as a shooter, but that's not been the totality of his contributions. I don't know if either Keith or David, do you have a, like a hot sauce Castillo take a hot Nikstauskas take? I mean, again, I know it's only three games into the season, but he does look pretty good so far. Most improved player. Yes. Oh, there you go. Hell yeah. No, the most improved player is probably either going to be Tim Hardaway or Torian Prince, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, I think he's going to have sort of a career role, though, in Portland because he has a more defined role, and that's something I don't think he's experienced yet. 
I, I think uh, I think it was Jason Quick uh, now writing over at the Athletic. Shout out over over the Jason, uh, but. He had an article about Stauskas talking about how he has found a home here as well. Uh, kind of how the trouble he'd had in the first couple of teams between Sacramento and Philly, kind of the wrong time being there, both these kind of rosters that were still on the come up. And up here, he's found something that just kind of fits the, the offense that Stotts runs, fits his style a little more. Like you're saying, Brennan, he's more than a three-point shooter, which is, I think, what most of the league knows him as. Uh, I'm pretty curious to see how far it'll go. I, I think he does have more in the bag of tricks than we've really been led to believe. But uh, who do you think is going to be the best? better the better new acquisition i guess for the blazers between stauskas and curry the curry sauce which is better the curry or the sauce i think the sauce is a little better um i mean curry is an incredible shooter right and he he actually is a really good finisher too that's the other thing even for how how slight he is i mean he takes after his brother in that way uh but i think that stauskas his ability to come off the day he's pretty big too that's the other thing i mean he's six six i think and he's not thin i mean he's not humongous but he's pretty big um I wanted to ask David something, and it's related to this. You know, Stauskas said explicitly, hey, I like being in Portland because of the system they have. I feel like I'm going to be used a little bit better, right? Be more, be just more comfortable. And this isn't the first time that Terry Stotts has taken a player who is either like their career is about to end or like they're not really that great of a player and has rehabilitated their career. So, David, do you think that like, is this a coincidence or is this something that Terry Stotts is doing to like, take these like bargain basement deals that Olshay finds and like polishing a turn into a diamond. That's a little harsh, but like, is this like a legitimate <laughs> skill that like Terry Stotts has as a, as a head coach? Uh, I don't think it's necessarily as much to do with player development because like we saw, for instance, Noah Von Ley, who came in, uh, as you put it, a turd and left less than a diamond, but, uh, <laughs> left you turd. know, I, <laughs> I, you know, I, I actually, I really like Noah, and I think he's gonna find a little more success in New York than he had in Chicago. But um, I think mostly what it is is like Terry runs the flow offense, which allows kind of players to make their own decisions on the court. Like there's a basic setup to it, but like they have that autonomy to really like go with, you know, go with the flow, flow offense. But that's not actually what that means. Don't quote me on that. Uh, <laughs> Too late. <laughs> It's recorded. <laughs> Shoot! Dang it! I'm trying not trying not to swear on this podcast. Oh, you can, um, oh, you can swear. Oh, that's fine. oh, look at the professional over here. We've been oh, loosening up good. a little bit. <laughs> but you know, at any rate, it's you know he he definitely has a simultaneously a more defined role, but also more freedom within it. And I think that's part of what's allowed him to excel early. That's not. Oh, so wait a minute. Gonna... Oh, I'm sorry. That's not as hot of a take as I was expecting. That's like a reasonable, <laughs> fact based. That's just some bullshit. I want you to just say words and let me turn them into quotes and get those sweet, sweet clicks. Come on. I think Nick Stauskas <laughs> is going to grow a third arm from between his shoulder blades and use it like a trebuchet. Possibly <laughs> a better form than a Minu. I don't know. I was about to we... say. So he's going to start shooting like a Minu then. Okay, got it. Kind of. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna like hunch forward like a potato <laughs> bug and launch it, and it's gonna have so much velocity. He's gonna be hitting shots from 60, 70 feet out. That I'm, is okay, okay. I'm turning <laughs> that right, into so an infographic. I'm sharing on Instagram. Count it. <laughs> we got to keep this rolling. If that's what he's gonna uh, give us for a hunting on Stauskas, I gotta know how are you feeling about Myers so far? Because in the preseason, in the offseason, we are hearing a lot up here in Portland about how this is gonna be the the year that we finally get Myers. Uh, the return of the legend, I guess, or whatever you want to say. And so far, we've seen eight minutes from the first game, nine minutes in the second, zero minutes last night against Washington. Uh, 
he didn't look too bad in the first two games. I think he had a uh, four four rebounds, four assists in the first, but no points in this. And uh, against San Antonio, had five points and two rebounds. So not exactly uh, the legendary start so far, I guess. But uh, it, what would you say? How do you feel about uh, the hopes for Myers still pulling it out? I think the return rhetoric is kind of exhausted just because like return to what? Like, obviously he hasn't made it thus far and it's been several years, which isn't to really, you know, since I can swear on this podcast, it's not really to shit on him. Like, you know, he's, (laughs) he just, I think honestly, like a big part of what happened with Myers is like, he started his career uh, being drafted in such close proximity to Damian Lillard, who obviously blew the doors off everyone's expectations And then people kind of forgot that, you know, the top 15 picks, most of them don't actually pan out all that great. And he, I think, can be counted among those players and then receiving a big contract, which, by the way, this is just a sticking point for me in general. It's like people hating on players for their contracts need to grow up. Hate on the GM if you want. But like, don't look in someone else's pocket. They they have every right to take that money. And that's what they're trying to do. That's what their agent's trying to do do it and now that i can move on from that like (laughs) (laughs) like myers got a good deal it's not a drastically terrible deal you know a big guy that can shoot with that kind of athleticism 10 million a year on paper is respectable now the product on the court obviously hasn't matched expectation there and part of that is because you know terry stotts doesn't implement him in the rotation and part of the reason he doesn't do that is because myers not there yet but at any rate, like, I don't think Myers is going to have a leap this year because it's been six years, seven yep, years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like, I hope he does well, but I'm not really expecting something to be entirely different than we've seen in the past. Brandon, it looks like you have something to say there. Oh, I'm just, I'm raring to talk about Myers Leonard some more. I, I think that <laughs> part of the reason why he didn't play any minutes uh, last night the Wizards were without Dwight Howard, and then they were very quickly without Jan Mahimi. So they didn't actually have, I'm looking at their roster, they didn't have any other centers playing. So they didn't really need him last night. But like part of it is, and also like talking about like the expectation, like the team was the one saying pretty strongly two narratives about two different players coming into this year. One was that Evan Turner was going to have a different role. The ball's going to be in his hands more. He's going to facilitate more playmaker playmaker. Uh, Then the other narrative was that, Oh, Myers Leonard's going to have a bigger role because the Blazers lost Ed Davis. So it's, it's, it's frustrating to me when it, it, it's frustrating enough when fans crap on a player mercilessly. I mean, there have been attacks about Myers that go way beyond his play on the court. I think that's out of bounds and not acceptable. But when the team is saying, oh, Myers, like, you're going to have a bigger role, you're going to have a bigger role, and then he's playing single-digit numbers of minutes, like, that's actually even a bigger bummer. So, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, year 386 of Myers' comeback. It's just like, <laughs> it's, it's not, not going to happen. Well- I think part of that is just parsing like what is organization speak and what is the reality. And if you look at the way the roster is constructed, Zach Collins is probably going to absorb the larger role rather than Myers with Ed Davis being gone. And I mean, there was also talk, what was it? Olshay said that Layman's going to do fantastic things. And it's just kind of lip service to the 13th, 14th, 15th guy, which is, you know, great. Hopefully I, you know, I want everyone to succeed, but I, I don't think that it's going to be like a major narrative for the team. It looks like you have something to say, Keith. 
No, sorry, and not, not trying to cut you off, but actually you bring up something with uh, Lehman, and even less about Lehman, but uh, more about the guy that he's coming in for. I don't think Lehman has looked too bad so far. He's he's maybe doesn't have as high of a ceiling as Mo, but he's at least kind of holding at least the, the steady ground there until Mo is fully healthy. But on, at the same time, I feel like Mo Harkless is looking a little more aggressive coming off the bench. In, in these kind of spot minutes, as opposed to what we were seeing from him as a starter, he seems to come in, and I assume that he's still kind of in a, you know, not playing 100% mode right he's coming in that's why i that's why i assume they're not starting him yet but he seems he seems to be coming in and really going for the defense coming over with these help blocks from behind uh he looked pretty good against lebron and even the first game of the season after not having played any preseason games how big of a factor is if he possibly like finds a better better fit as a bench player is that maybe something that can work in to get some of these younger guys a minute so let's say it does help jake layman develop that much more by getting a more central role do you see anything like that Heading out, or or eventually, do you think he'll uh, resume his starter position? Oh, it's hard to say because Terry's always kind of had a fluid approach to that. It's just sort of like whichever player earns it gets it. So I think that Mo could resume his starter position, but I do like him as a second unit player because I feel like, um, well, okay, that is to say, like in Orlando, part of the problem we had was just kind of consistency of what his role was. Um, which is, you know, it's hard to be hitting your shots if you're like one night you're playing two minutes, the next you're playing 25, and then the next is a DNP. But, you know, I, I think uh, he's definitely going to improve the Blazers' depth if he can be coming in off the bench consistently every night doing a great job. Like, I think Evan Turner's been doing the same, hasn't he? He's been coming off the bench? Yeah. Yeah, they, they've kept Evan Turner off the bench and brought Jake Lehman in as the starter. Uh, and it has been kind of strange because you would have assumed that uh, Evan Turner in most rotations would be the one replacing Mo Harkless. But I think what we've learned with Stotts that is he kind of prefers not to mess up the secondary rotation. So he, he brings uh, Jake Lehman in as that stopgap. And I, that, that's a player I'm not really – I feel like three games is too small of a sample size. I don't want to really pass too much judgment on Lehman yet. Uh, and, you know, hey, maybe with Myers too, just to swing it back that direction – Maybe it is only three games. He could still come around to that 50-40-90 season and be the return of the legend. <laughs> wow. I, I think the biggest thing that Layman can do as part of the starting lineup is just to uh, have few enough holes in his game that he can't be forced off the court. You know, yes. play those spot minutes while they need him to until Harkless is healthy. Um, just to touch on Evan real quick, I, you know, he's, I think he's, what, 10, 5-5, 11-5-5? Five five, yeah, I think like that's that. right. Like, that's really solid production from a bench player. And I think this role suits him pretty well. He's, you know, he's never going to be the 17, 18, 19 million a year player, but again, that's more on the GM. Uh, But I, you know, I'm glad to see him personally doing really well and the Blazers thriving because of it. Yeah. Evans looked a lot better. The only thing, man, he has a lot of silly turnovers. Like they're not even like, Oh, he has the ball a lot. So he's turning it over. Like, crappy passes like that's the only thing you can clean up but i mean even as someone who's like a staunch you know not an evan turner supporter i'm not gonna say hater <laughs> um i have liked the way that he's looked uh we're going over time a little bit but i would be remiss if i didn't ask a rockets expert this question before you go and let's keep that something else but carmelo, no, do it. carmelo anthony okay he <laughs> i knew you were going man. oh you you, you you know me way too Already. well carmelo anthony is an nba player and he plays for the Houston Rockets. <laughs> Those are both facts. They cannot be yes. refuted. Um, True. Like, it's a small sample size. He has not done well in that small sample size. 
what do you think is is going to happen with him and his role in this team moving forward? Is it going to smooth over? Is he going to figure it out? Is he upset that he's coming off the bench? Does that play into it? Is it just a normal kind of slump and it just happened to start at the beginning of the season? Like, what's your sense of how that's all going to gel as the season goes on? I think for him, being a rhythm shooter for his whole career, he's going to need some time to adjust to coming off the bench. Um, Because, I mean, even in OKC, he could kind of get his rhythm, but part of the problem there was like playing with other like volume shooters, (laughs) like Russell Westbrook, uh, who, you know, absorb possessions. And I think, you know, in Houston, he's going to have a great opportunity to lead the bench in terms of scoring production, but he really, like, this is more than more than his offense, he needs to be in tune with the defense because they switch everything and he's late every time and it's a huge problem. <laughs> but but yeah, you know, I, I think that in time he'll adjust. The Rockets brought in a bunch of new players. You know, they have James Ennis, Michael Carter Williams, uh Carmelo Anthony, the list goes on, and Marquis Chris, Brandon Knight, both of whom are injured right now. But that's a lot of people to kind of fit into a fairly complex defense, especially with the defensive coordinator, I guess, de facto defensive coordinator, who was associate head coach, Jeff Pizdelic leaving That's right. to like help explain that stuff. So it's just going to be slow goings. And I think it was always going to be slow goings. You know, you got Roy Rogers in there trying to get guys up to speed as best he can, but Mello as a single case study, I think he will have a better year in Houston than he did in OKC, but he needs to recognize that he's you know too far into his career to be the leader and he needs to make sure that he's putting his pride far enough aside to follow and i don't think that he's going to have an issue ultimately with that um but there will definitely be a lengthy adjustment period do you think there's going to be points where they're not having mellow finish games is that going to be a regular thing through the season it just kind of depends. Uh, a lot of that is defensively because they're very comfortable having him take shots late in the game. It's just a matter of like whether or not he's a liability when he's on the court on the other end. I'm not. I'm trying to figure out which one I want to hear more of from David before we let him get out of here. Do I want to hear more Carmelo Anthony slander or more Evan Turner love? Because I feel like the Evan Turner love <laughs> might just really be getting to Brandon over on the other end. Why don't, why don't we do the secret? I love Evan Turner. Yes. Evan Turner is <laughs> my boy. He's probably my favorite in, in Portland. Uh, just as a person, he's just overflowing with positivity. As a person. And jokes. <laughs> as and a person. Yes. And on the court, I think he is a valuable player. Yes. It, it's just the, the difference. I see you I see you grimacing, Brandon. He's a valuable player. It's just his value will never meet the dollar value on his contract. And, you know, it, it, he's not necessarily a negative every time he steps on the court. And I think in this new role, he'll perform even better. But yeah, just as a person, he's he's a great guy. And one one more quick thing. I know we're trying to go, but like speaking of players who were good in 2011, breaking news, Blake, (laughs) Blake, Blake Griffin does have 50 points, 14 boards and six assists. I don't know where the hell that came from, but it uh, looks like the Pistons beat the 76ers 133 to 132 in overtime. So again, revenge of the players from 2011. Wait, 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 quick timeout. I've got both Blake Griffin and Joel Embiid on my fantasy team. How'd Joel do? 33, 11, Ooh. and 7 with 3 blocks, so you're looking pretty oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> that was a game yeah, for you. I snagged uh, Blake Griffin in the fourth round in a in a 10-team league, so Ooh. I think people, people just get scared off because they're like, he's going to be hurt. I know he's going to be hurt, and every year that's right, but you know, I think 
I think he's going to do okay. Well, I mean, he, you get a 50 point game from him here or there. It won't matter too much how much he's, uh, unless he misses like half the season. Well, geez, his other two <laughs> games were 33 and 26 points. I mean, wow. And, yeah, he's wow. been crushing it. That's wild. Okay. People forget it. I, that's the thing. Uh, sorry. I, I know, oh, you know, we're getting off topic and we're trying to be dumb. <laughs> but like, Blake Griffin can still play. He's going to get 25 points a night. He's going to put up more assists than most forwards in the league. And he gets it done. And I think Detroit's going to be better for it. See if he The was contract is terrible. But, sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's, that's probably the big p- factor that's in that no one's thinking about. I was going to say, if he was getting more coverage instead of just people showing that the, uh, the rejections that people are, people are like blocking his dunks on the highlight reels on SportsCenter, that seems to be all they're really talking about. Oh, but if the they way, were getting those more... Are, those were good dunk attempts. Like, it's not right. like he couldn't jump. Like, they were just better blocks. Anyway, yeah. No, no, I was just saying if he was getting more attention for what he's doing well up there, then one of the other topics we might have to be talking about would be how we didn't try and wasn't there some talk over the summer at one point about, oh, are they going to try and get Blake Griffin in Portland or was that last year? Am I crazy? I don't remember, man. I don't Summer remember. seems so long ago. The offseason the was so long ago. I remember wanting, I remember being one of the people who wanted Carmelo Anthony. So that tells you how much I know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. No more. Carmelo anyway, yeah. we're done with this. We're, we, David, we got to get you back in here soon, man. So we can uh, ramble on about everything possible. Uh, but thank you so much for coming in, man. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, no problem. I was happy to join you guys. Listeners, let us know what you think. Write us at Trailcasters on Twitter, IG, and Facebook. Email us at trailcasters at gmail.com. Uh, David, if they want to reach out to you on social media, what is the best uh, way to reach you? David McKay, NBA on Twitter. Uh, that is McKay, M-A-C-K-A-Y. Got to sneak in that Scottish A. Uh, you can also <laughs> check out any content that I'm writing at rocketswire.com for USA Today. Welcome back. We've got a few other hot topics on the back burner, as we always do. The basketball camp pricing, the investigation, the, the, the deep... It's coming someday. <laughs> We're going to keep teasing that eventually. Uh, and I also do eventually want to get into reseeding the playoffs. And more than any of that, Brandon, I'm going to eventually talk you into having a, a sports betting, a ga- gambling kind of side corner on this pod. Or maybe that ends up being like a midweek pod that I throw up on here on the side. Trailcasters will be expanding. Hey, you don't need me. Come on. <laughs> but tonight... We're going to be talking about the games for next week as I dive over here to find my calendar. All right. And while Keith is doing that, I'm just going to sneak this in here. If you're enjoying the Trailcasters, you should also enjoy our two amazing sponsors. One of them is Envy Adventures. They're at envyadventures.com. If you've ever wanted to take a private chartered flight, check out Portland, the Gorge, and everything else. Those beautiful fall colors. Flights for as little as 100 bucks. Bring yourself and two of your friends. It would be super, super fun. That's envyadventures.com, envyadventures.com. And when you call them, make sure to enunciate as clearly as possible. And you can do that if you check out clearlyspeakingoregon.com because Brenda is a certified speech-language pathologist who can help you with accent reduction, getting more clarity when you're speaking, public speaking, just normal communications, like if you're a student athlete or you work in constituent services or you just want to find your most confident voice, Brenda can help you. So again, before you give Envy Adventures a call, go to Brenda. She's at clearlyspeakingoregon.com. That is clearlyspeakingoregon.com. 
What, a what was that? ClearlySpeakingOregon.com? It definitely was, Keith. Um, and if you're wondering why we needed to do that, again, Keith had to go out for a little bit, so <laughs> I don't feel like editing all this out. So now, yes, let's talk about... Well, here, let me just ask you, Brandon. Uh, Brandon, wait, do I count as one of your friends? Wait, when I go over Absolutely. to Envy Adventures, 100%. if I go over to EnvyAdventures.com, E-N-V-I-Adventures.com, and hook up a flight over there for $99 or, or more, is that something that... I, uh, do I count as one of your friends that I, that could be counted in for this trip? Yeah, but- Are you... Are you trying to get away from me as, as your co-host? Are you no, trying to you can totally, branch out on your own into the skies? You could totally go. You just have to hold on to the wing the whole time because I don't want to listen. No, it's kidding. <laughs> yeah, you were definitely. Um, so let's let's look what's coming up for the Blade. I mean, again, we're recording on Tuesday. I'm not exactly sure when it's going to drop, but um, either tonight or tomorrow. But uh, what do the Blazers have coming up before next Sunday? So if we get this out before Thursday, Thursday uh, at oh, yeah, four in the afternoon, the, the the road trip starts uh, off in Orlando. We have a, a Florida vacation for the Blazers down in Orlando at 4 p.m. And then the following Saturday at 5 p.m. before they fly on to Indiana on Monday, uh, which is the start of a back-to-back where they face off in Houston on Tuesday. So four-game road trip before they come back here for the month of November. Orlando, Miami, Indiana, Houston. I feel pretty good about this. I don't think that Orlando or Miami are really looking like that much of a threat. Indiana and Houston as a as a back to back and the tail end of the road trip. I feel like that's a little bit more of a uh, of something that like it might be a little bit more. Uh, I mean, might be more hesitant to put that as wins. I guess would be what I'm trying to get at. Uh, both because it's the tail end of the road trip. Our guys are going to be fatigued, and then flying from Indiana to Houston and having that be the back to back for both games, both in the afternoon, I believe. Yeah, four and five p.m. for those as well. Hey, what what are you thinking? Would you say two and two is uh, about where you stand for this road trip? Yeah, and I also think it could be three and one. Um, I could see three and one. Just to just to say, the Blazers have had a a pretty soft schedule up until now, um, and like you said, that obviously it changes pretty quick once they run into Indiana, particularly Houston. But yeah, I haven't seen much from Orlando to suggest that they would be much of a threat. I think even on the road, the Blazers would be pretty embarrassed if they lost. I know that the Magic... They better are, be. Yeah, they're, the Magic are 2-2, two and two, um, but you know they don't look like much of a threat. Miami, also not a dearth of talent, but they're really, really well coached, um, and they always play really hard. Uh, oh, got man. A, look, at the, look at you with the uh, word of the day, either kerfuffle or dearth now. I'm not sure which well, to go to with. Well, to be fair, kerfuffle was David, not me. I don't want to take credit <laughs> for that, but... Yeah, I mean, I think, and then and then you have Indiana, um, you know, an up and coming team question mark, or a team that has hit its ceiling and exceeded expectations question mark, and then of course the Houston Rockets. Here's the thing, though, like uh, the Rockets are one and two, and again, small sample size, but like I have to disagree with our esteemed guest, David McKay. I don't, I'm not convinced Carmelo's going to put it together. So okay, the okay. more I look at this, I think the Blazers. What if they went four and zero on this trip? You're saying four no is a possibility. Okay, now we've got a hot take from each of us in here. David had his, I had mine. Brandon, you're saying four no. Are we qualifying say, as gonna, a hot take? Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna lock it in. I'm gonna lock that I'm gonna lock in the four no road trip. I think it's gonna happen. Nice. This is what we do when we don't have sound effects. Lock it in. <laughs> I could see it. I could see uh I agree that I don't think the Florida part of the trip is gonna be much of a threat. Uh if one of them were to take us down, I'd say it better be Miami if they just found a hot night. And I don't think we've always played super well down there. Um, Orlando should not be a problem. Indiana, I know they just resigned, or not resigned, but they, uh, I think, got Miles Turner locked up. They extended so now, it, yeah. yeah, between Depot and uh, Victor Oladipo, for the listeners, and Miles Turner, I feel like... Uh, 
that is an up and coming team. I would say they're kind of looking at what they, they're going to be a rising talent and maybe someone that we're not as ready for just because we haven't seen what they're running quite as often uh, with that offense. And yeah, Houston, uh, sorry, David, no disrespect, sir. Great having you on, man. But I'm just, I'm not, I'm worried about Houston. I don't think I can really lock them in for the second spot in the West this year. Uh, I was saying that before the season even started. And now, as you're saying, it is a small sample size, but the record's not looking too great for them so far. I don't know if Carmelo is going to be able to bring what they lost in, um, in what's his name that I'm suddenly forgetting, uh, the guy who went to Phoenix. Oh yeah. Trevor Reza. Reza. Thank you. I knew it was an I, A name. I, I, it was just, I just about said Ron Artest because we talked about him. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, here's the thing about this road trip. I could see the Blazers, you know, playing up to the task against Orlando and Miami and then taking like that kind of th- that third game slump and maybe kind of underestimating Indiana a little bit. The other thing is that, man, they have Arvita Sabonis' son. Come home, <laughs> Domas. Come home. Now, man, now, hold on so a sec, great though. to have him on the Blazers. That would be amazing. I would love to have anytime you can get kind of the, uh, 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 not the franchise, but yeah, the dynasty player come yeah. in like that. That'd be <laughs> fantastic. Uh, so are you saying though, we're both, you're kind of talking me into the four no idea as being a possibility. Are we now saying if they went two and two, that's almost a disappointment no. like, is, is a three, one, the expectation for this road trip split splitting a road trip is always just fine. I think that good. There you go. Well, I mean, yeah, that's kind of how you have to look at it, honestly, because you're going to lose games at some point and it's tougher to win on the road than at home. But yeah, like last night versus Washington, that's not have been a loss. Okay. Can we just, let, let me, let's cycle back to that real fast. I know we're trying to get out of here, but man. Okay. So Dame, tried too hard on defense. He tried too hard to help. He left his man open. John Wall was the guy open with the ball. He got the ball. Dame runs over to help cover John Wall, who had been having a horrible shooting night. By doing so, he leaves Bradley Beal open. That's That was the dagger at the end. And the other part of it was Markeith Morris playing small ball center and Nurkic not being able to get out to him at the three, three-point line. And Morris having like a career night essentially. He didn't, I think, hit three or four threes towards the in the second half. I don't know. It, it, this... Beyond all that, though, I just, I just, you know, that that was me trying to be a good analyst, saying, okay, these guys made some mistakes defensively. But beyond that, have you seen the video of Morris from the bench holding Seth Curry's shorts when when Curry oh, shot? Man. Yeah, I did. Have you seen some of these ref calls that they didn't get right? I, okay, I just, I, I'm, I'm gonna rail off on the refs, man. You gotta hold me back. Hold me back here. I'm gonna go <laughs> off on the refs. You gotta move me on from this. <laughs> I, the thing is. I don't know that kind of thing has to happen more often than we're aware of because how are the officials ever going to see that unless you have an official that is looking kind of perpendicular to the baseline on that side they're not that's not where the action is they're not going to be watching that like that is it's, something you can get away with it's frustrating it sucks here's like, how we got to handle it like, get a fourth ref get a video ref there's so many things we could do to make this better and make it like decided by the basketball i just think there's some things that you just hey, I mean, it sucks it should have been called but you just, <laughs> you miss it by the way i like you're absolutely right that lillard's defense on that particular play was broken and he yeah. was trying no, wait, he, he was trying to do the right thing he just tried too hard and, sure. and they couldn't cover his man but i want to say that the defense that disappointed me the most was from someone who had an incredible game which was nurkic I yeah mean, he played out of his mind uh in almost every way except for defense and actually i chalked this up more to stots than nurkic because uh markeith morris scored like the 28 points he shot right. like 300 threes and at no point was were they ever contested <laughs> at no point right. did nurkic ever step 
out to, to contest those shots, and that was really, really disappointing. I would have liked to have seen Zach Collins in there, or they did have Mo Harkless on him for like one possession, then they he like tried to have Morris back Harkless into the post. I think he actually scored on that possession, but those are the kinds of shots you would rather give up rather than a wide-open three. How did you feel about Mo overall? How are you feeling about him so far with the whole bench thing? I know we touched on the, on this with David, but I mean, like, are, do you think he's going to come back in and be a starter? Are we going to see like Mo, like a full time Mo, or is he better off as kind of this firecracker on the bench? I think that if it doesn't hurt his confidence, I think he's better coming off the bench. Actually, I think that interesting. I think a you get to have him take advantage of less talented players, and then b it's like like you said earlier, it's like Coach Stotts doesn't want to mess with his secondary rotation. So he'll throw like a third stringer in the starting lineup. Like I have no problem with, with Jake Lehman playing the, uh, what Nate Duncan would call the Keith Bogans role, which is you start, it's like a perfunctory start. And then you only play a couple minutes. I think Lehman only got 12 <laughs> minutes that game against the wizards. So I wouldn't mind that at all. I think, yeah, Mo Harkless looks good in that role. Interesting. Yeah. So not a starter, but almost kind of the late starter minutes for it. Like he's going to get more minutes than layman overall, but just not have that kind of starting announcement for it. I, I, yeah. And, and I think the problem that I'm worried about is that we've seen him before having issues with kind of self-confidence and I don't want to say ego, but let's say, let's say pride or hubris in a way. Like he wants that starter role. What we've seen in the past is that he wanted that starter title, I guess is the better way to put it. Well, that's the thing uh, is like, if that isn't bothering him anymore right. for whatever reason, then great. And like, I'm trying to, uh, stall for time as much as I possibly can <laughs> while I'm clicking around here. Um, it's funny because, I mean, Harkless missed the entire preseason, and it's not like right. he's played like off the page. He's been averaging about 20 minutes. He's averaging about five points, but six boards, uh, a block and a half. Um, but his energy has been really good. And, and Mo Harkless, he's one of two players, him and Aminu, one of two players that the Blazers can like reasonably put on the other team's long, lanky wing. And maybe Zach Collins is actually getting that point too, where I think Collins can probably guard some of those, the, you know, the Kevin Durant types or the dollar store, Kevin Durant, Brandon Ingram types. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. Right. But like uh, Harkless on this team is a hot commodity. So, I mean, yeah. Well, what, Hey, you know what though? You know who else we have? He's actually averaging 10 points a game right now from the same position on the floor. Evan Turner. Uh, I've been turned defense has been overrated. I'm going like saying that. All right. Well, anyway, I think this has been a good ramble. And you know what? Uh, I think we this could be the record. We may be setting a not just season record, but a career record for the length of our podcast tonight, Brandon. We could be going long. I think we're on that end of oh, it. Oh, good God. <laughs> hey, sometimes there's a lot to talk about. And tonight was one of those nights. It definitely was. And we've got plenty more to talk about, but we'll have to save that for next week. Thank you, listeners. And remember, you can write us at any time about anything, preferably blazers but lots of other stuff to cover in here as you can obviously tell uh We've got some. <laughs> we've got no momentum, is what I'm, I'm finding out. I think on a Tuesday night, it really is affecting my ability to focus. Uh, but I believe Brandon, focus. you have some contact info. Tell them where to get us at. You can get us at Trailcasters on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or some secret social media channel we haven't thought of yet. We would oh. also love those five star reviews. Again, we are new to Spotify, but we're on basically everything else. And those five stars. outro beats that you're enjoying right now, as well as the intro beats you enjoyed earlier, and the interlude beats oh. you enjoyed a little bit between the two they're brought to you by odar you can check out his work at soundcloud.com slash odar beats o-d-a-r by the way he has a new album out check it out but the most important thing is for me to tell you to please get us all the way out of here if you could my friend 
In closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you, Brandon, as always. Thank you to Odar for the Fat Beats. Thank you to our sponsors, Envy Adventures, and Clearly Speaking. And thank you to David McKay of RocketsWire.com for joining us today. And thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Ripsy Basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again. And please come back next week for the next edition of the Trailcasters. <laughs> no more post banter. <laughs> What? What happened?